Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I would be lying if I said I wake up every morning ready to be a mom, a wife, a friend. Sometimes my anxiety gets the worst of me and I want to do absolutely nothing. On Mothering Anxiety, a podcast by Maria Lopez, I talk about the real, the raw, and the very honest of what it's like to deal with everyday anxiety. I don't hold anything back. I use my own life experiences to be able to have others relate to me and to relate to their own experiences. My main goal is to make sure that everyone feels that they're not alone because I've been there. I've had those thoughts. I've had those worries. I've had those anxieties. If this sounds anything like you, take a listen to Mothering Anxiety, available on iTunes, Spotify, and any other major places you get your podcast from. When I think of mother and like mother wound, a lot of it has to do with my grandmother and then the way it sort of came through my mother. Because my mom was so young, obviously when she had me, that all the years that I was granted that I'm so grateful for, for coping and healing and, and just doing that work she didn't get to have. And so once everything started to go spiral out of control for her, it was because she had a huge mother wound and she lacked a lot of those, those coping mechanisms um, and just couldn't deal. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives and what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives and that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you you What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are? Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. 
Hey, beautiful souls. We've talked a lot about the mother wound here on the podcast, but what about the grandmother wound or the great grandmother wound? Because so much of what is our mother wound is ancestral, passed down from mother to child, generation upon generation, passing down the shame, the guilt, the expectation. It might include withholding love or abandonment. It might include anger or abuse because what we are taught about life and how it works comes from our mothers and fathers and extended family and that is what we know. So we repeat it. But what about if we decide not to repeat it? That enough is enough. That the deep pain and discomfort you've been through won't be passed on to your kids. It will stop with you. It's a big call to make, right? Today I'm chatting with Victoria and Victoria's grandmother wound is real. Victoria's story is full of a huge amount of strength. She has done a monumental amount of healing and is actively breaking those family cycles. The world is full of cycle breakers and every single one of them are heroes. Please join me in hearing Victoria's story. Victoria, thank you so much for chatting with me today. You grew up in a very intense Italian family. What are your first memories or feelings around being a part of that family? Yeah, well, intense is definitely a word I would use to describe. (laughs) Um, Loud would be another word I would use to describe. And, you know, there, there were a lot of really wonderful and fun aspects of that, of that culture and growing up in that. And I'm sort of coming full circle to a lot of the traditional side of things and honoring, you know, my ancestors and just sort of that cultural piece, because I'm realizing now how important certain things really are to me, but because it was so intense and toxic at times, um, that I sort of pushed that part of my identity away and didn't want to embrace it, didn't know how to embrace it. And, and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm coming around a bit and it's, it's been fun and interesting because there's a lot of really cool things to learn about, you know, Italian um, folk medicine and magic and all that kind of stuff. And I just started an herb farm here. So I'm working with a lot of plants that, you know, are native to the Mediterranean area. And so with that, I'm sort of wanting, I'm really wanting to honor where I came from, but how I came from it is like, you know, that's where it gets a little tricky. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So your parents were really young when they had you, weren't they? Yeah. So I am the first born um, to very young parents. My mother was just about to turn 20 when she had me. So 19. And my father, father was a few years older but still early 20s and that that's pretty young that's pretty yeah. young yeah and that's sort is. of the the way my family my family up until me honestly um had babies young they all had babies pretty young I had young grandparents as well and I'm the first of my family to sort of you know wait a long time I had my first child at 30 so a good solid 10 years of that I needed to to grow because now that I am a parent I'm like wow that was too young yeah 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 I think I think so too because you're really still a kid at 19 you're not you haven't lived yet so it's such a huge thing I think when when people have their babies that early so what was your relationship like with your mum as a little kid what do you remember of that well I remember early memories of like young childhood, I remember being sort of, I was like a daydreamer. And so I, I was definitely just sort of off doing my own thing, whether I was coloring or, you know, my mom will tell me that, you know, cause she, we talk about me as a kid a lot now that I am a mom 
that I would just sort of be like laying on the couch, like daydreaming and thinking. And she'd be like, what are you doing? And I'll be like, I'm just kind of thinking <laughs> like, so I was like kind of a low key, mellow kid, I guess. And my mom, like I remember in those early years, cause stuff started really getting bad when my parents divorced and I was about eight when that happened. And so before eight, you know, my childhood sort of broken up in, in, two parts where it was like before the divorce and then after the divorce. And so from up until eight, I had like, you know, kind of lovely memories of, you know, nothing seemed too out of the ordinary or um, stressful yet. Um, but it got to be around eight that things started to get really, really uncomfortable. Um, and my mom must have been at that point. Yeah, like 27-ish. And I think, you know, when that was when she decided that she wanted my dad out and um, that's when she sort of began to fulfill her, whatever she missed out on 19, 20 in her early twenties, because she had me. So like a lot of like the partying started happening and a lot of like the dating at around eight. So kind of an interesting way for things to go about. Like I had like a lovely early childhood. I was the only child for seven years. And then my mom had my little brother, possibly some complicated things happening at that time that I wasn't aware of that maybe led to the divorce. Um, but yeah, I just, I, my mom, you know, she was, again, I just remember her being kind of like a soft, kind mother, but I did have a very intense grandmother. Is my oh. grandmother who's kind of the one who was the puppet master for everything. Uh, interesting. And so was her influence quite strong on your mother? Come to understand that it's very possible that the marriage was a touch arranged, <laughs> that my grandmother met my dad and, you know, was like, this is the man that I want my daughter to be with kind of a thing. And my mom was in like a happy teenage relationship already. And I think my grandma didn't like him too much and said, this is the man you're going to marry. And wow. my, my mom, now she's the one who grew up with the really chaotic and hectic childhood, like, like always. So there's sort of like this upper hand, like when I think of mother and like mother wound, a lot of it has to do with my grandmother and then the way it sort of came through my mother. Cause my mom was so young, obviously when she had me that all the years that I was granted that I'm so grateful for, for coping and healing and, and just doing that work, she didn't get to have. And so once everything started to go spiral out of control for her, it was because she lacked a lot she had a huge mother wound and she lacked a lot of those those coping mechanisms um and just couldn't deal and so when uh, you know when my parents had me i guess it was fine enough that they like we're gonna make this work because we're a young italian family from jersey this is what we do um and then my brother came along and then <laughs> and then it just wasn't working out and and i don't know why my dad and my mom didn't like couldn't make it work they obviously maybe just weren't meant to be from the very beginning but I don't remember their marriage being very volatile or really anything like that so I don't know what had my mom be like I'm done with this marriage possibly just you know like a quarter life crisis or or whatever yeah. she's like I'm done you're gone yeah yeah and that's it's interesting isn't it that you're you're told who you have to marry and then you don't feel like there's any choice and then what that all leads to and she obviously was even happy with her teenage relationship that she had and yeah it's really it's kind of sad what about your dad did you get along well with with your dad when when you were a little kid yeah my dad like I have awesome memories of my dad before the divorce um you know, I was his first daughter and it was like very much like this very 
special um, relationship that we had. I remember him like brushing my hair before bed and like all that kind of stuff. And so he, I think he was really making an effort. He was also, I have, I have more memories of that stuff, um, but I do also have memories of him like losing his temper, like total hothead, slamming his fists on the kitchen table kind of stuff. Um, but those memories are fewer and far between than, you know, some of those more positive memories, like playground stuff and which is why, which is why it hurts so bad that I just don't really have a relationship with him now. Like I said, there was before the divorce and then there was the after divorce or maybe even three phases, the before, the during, and then the after. Um, and so my dad, um, I think was surprised at the divorce request and whatever pain he had from that separation combined with seeing my mom start to really express herself in ways that she missed out on that he started to really like it had a huge impact on him I think he might have tried taking his life at at one point during that but that could be one of those like memories as a kid that I'm not sure if it happened or if he really told me that because I think I have a memory of him saying that he wanted to take his life some morning and didn't because uh because of me and my brother and then he just sort of got more and more distant and then I don't think he could deal with what was going on he ended up meeting uh, a woman who he's still married to so they've been married for like a very long time and had three kids with her and he just sort of like he couldn't deal he like he didn't know what to do there was, you know, court battle after court battle. And back in the 90s, um, especially in my state, you know, courts, they didn't favor dads really like at all. And so my mom was able to just win all of these like court battles. And it was a mess. It was like a total disaster. And he was just like, I can't. And uh, very slowly, but surely ended up sort of um, I don't want to say abandoning because that's a strong word. And I feel like that is reserved for people who are truly like estranged from their dads, but it, it felt like that. It was very much an emotional abandonment. And there was like a constant comparing of me and my brother to the three new kids. And so there's a lot of pain and like a big open wound there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so when all of this is going on, how do you cope? Because what age were you at that time? Around eight or nine, were you? Yeah, so I was eight when I learned that the divorce was happening. And gosh, it was probably a good 10 years of a really nasty divorce of just constant fighting, um, you know, Child Protective Services was actually called on my house at one point. There was nothing like physically abusive happening, but there was just enough chaos where someone was suspect enough. I don't know. Um, but, you know, Child Protective Services came and like investigated my house. I was like countless times on the phone with my parents screaming at one another, with me on the phone telling um, what the other one is saying, you know, so it was a good 10 years of that, you know, there was, you know, you owe me, you owe me more money, or I'm not going to spend that much money on you anymore. And it was like, a lot of it was about money. Um, and so I have a really interesting relationship with money now too, a whole scarcity thing. So about eight, eight years old to 18 was sort of like my parents' divorce, I would say. And then I moved out of my house at 19, 20 and said, basically, I want to not be a part of this anymore. And pretty much stopped talking to both of my parents for a good chunk of time of my 20s, which is a time that I spent kind of exploring myself and who am I kind of stuff. And it all, it, it all hit me once I left the house that like, whoa, I'm going to have to do some serious work to get through, <laughs> through this. Yeah. Cause that was, that was a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And these things, 
just drag on and it's just it's hard to see it because nobody is being aware of what it's doing to the kids it's so focused on between the two partners isn't it and and no one's seeing how much the kids are struggling with all of that and you had a stepfather at one stage yeah my mom my mom was with one particular person for a good chunk of time I'd say maybe 10 or 11 years before that she had a boyfriend or two that was in our life for a little while that one of one of her boyfriends had kids around mine and my brother's age so we ignored the whole dating thing like I had fun with the kids the kids and I like you know we had fun together but then my mom met someone who we ended up moving out of our house into his house to live with him and his two kids which again was nice to have some other kids involved (laughs) but yeah so I ended up living there for high school. So for four years during high school Um, and I switched schools and everything. And so that was really hard because I didn't, first of all, want my parents to be divorced. I didn't want my mom to be dating someone. And then I also didn't want to be moving out of my house and then go to a different school, you know, and this was 13. I was 13 years old when this was going on. So that was like prime time. Like I want to be with my friends and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. It's a massive upheaval, isn't it, for kids when these things happen? And so what was that time like living with your stepfather? This was this was a another very interesting time in my life where I kind of sought out my own life in in like this bubble of chaos that I was just in. And I ended up meeting a group of kids which is funny because I switched high schools, which was really hard. I didn't want to do it. But then I ended up meeting this group of kids and we remained friends all throughout high school and we are still friends to this day. So it was like, while this really awful thing was happening, I sort of had this other life altering thing happen. So very yin yang, you know? So I just hung out with them all the time and typical high school stuff, at least for me, because the the town we lived in was a very wealthy town. We were not wealthy members of that town, but, um, you know, a commuter town of New York City. So a lot of wealth and a lot of really big houses and a lot of just money, like a lot of kids I went to high school with, their first cars were like BMWs and things like that. That was not me. That was not my family, but I lived among them. And then, but me and my friends, we were sort of like the the misfits of like this rich town. Right. And so, um, and one of, one of them was my high school sweetheart. And so he was another huge positive influence in my life. His family was a huge, hugely positive influence in my life. So I had to seek all of this stuff out. Otherwise, if I was home, there would be yelling, cursing, loud banging noises, you know, um, my room was in the basement. So, um, and I had a door to the outside. So it was not fun to be in the basement, but it was also great to just walk out of the back door and be able to walk to my friend's houses if stuff was going down because there was, there was a lot of, a lot of yelling, a lot of just the kind of stuff that you don't realize it, but you're just living like this all the time. You've got your fists clenched and your jaws clenched and your shoulders tight. And you're just like any, and I still feel this, any loud bang that happens in the house kind of sends me into like, is there a fight happening or is there, you know, and my ex stepdad, he didn't do anything to me and my brother. Um, we endured a lot of like the visual stuff of like what he was doing, but he had his two own kids. And so there was a lot of fighting that happened in that part of the family. Um, There were seven people in a two bedroom household. So it was, there was not a lot of room. And so anyway, yeah, it was super chaotic and I had to sort of seek out my own world and I did, which was great. And I'm super thankful, but you know, it was like teenage uh, misfits. We were just, we got into trouble, you know, I've been arrested, um, 
just very much like, if, I don't know if you've ever seen the Smashing Pumpkins music video from the song 1979, but it's like this whole party scene. And basically that was like what my teenage years were like. <laughs> Because I didn't have anyone watching over me, you know, there was yeah. no one watching over me. I had no adults telling me what to do. And if they did, it was like, I'm not going to listen to you. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you lose, you have no trust in anyone around you, right? So you just go ahead and live your own life. And what about the extended family, your grandmother and the extended family by this point, did they have any kind of influence or were you able to reach out to anybody else? Yeah. So I, I had and still have a close relationship with my dad's side of the family, which is a funny dynamic because my, my dad and I just, we haven't been able to make it work. We just, we've even tried and it's just, there's just something that doesn't fit with us, but I'm super, super close with his parents, my grandparents, and he's one of six. And so I have lots of aunts and uncles and they're all fantastic. And so I've been able to connect with them. They live out in California. So they're West coast people. I'm East coast. So the distance was always hard, but, um, I used to spend my summers out there with them. So that was another little escape and a sense of like normal, like family unit to be a part of for three, three weeks, every summer. Um, I would go out there and be with my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, my cousin, they were also very Italian. So a lot of that like funny stuff that you see, like the big dining room table and everyone's like yelling and, and having coffee, like that's, that's what that family scene is like. So, so a lot of fun, you know, dysfunctional, like any um, other family, not, not the level of what I was experiencing at home. <laughs> so they were a nice retreat for me. Now on my mom's side, her mother, who was, you know, like really intense, she was around this whole time. I, I can't remember too much about how my grandmother was handling my mom during all of this. I think she was sort of like, it was very much like she would look at me and she'd be like, don't, this is your mother. Don't you dare abandon her. Don't you dare judge her. Don't, it was very much like a waving her, waving her finger saying, don't you dare. But at the same time being like, oh my God, like, look at what you're doing. Like very, very critical of my mom. And so that was sort of confusing where it'd be like, don't you dare to me. And then also not supporting my mom in a way that would make her get better. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No support really, but expecting you to support. So yeah. Interesting. So you said then by 19, you'd had enough of all of that. What did you do after that? So um, I was not able to go to college uh, right after high school because of the divorce. There was just no there was no money. There was, there was no money set aside for me or left for me or anything. And it was made very clear to me by both of my parents that like, you're on your own for college. Like, if you want to go, you can go, but we're not footing the bill. So I was like, okay. And what I ended up doing was worked a lot, worked my tushy off. I was uh, waitressing tables. I also worked at um, the bagel store, which is another sort of aspect of that world because my mom's ex-stepdad owned a bagel store, which I was very much made forced to work at in my teenage years. That was brutal. However, also grateful for the work ethic that it taught me. Um, so I was waitressing tables, working at the bagel store and babysitting. Um, and I just saved up as much money as I could Meanwhile, was traveling to colleges that my friends were off to just to sort of do that because I wasn't able to, um, dorms and things like that. And my one friend went to college up in Burlington, Vermont. And when I went to visit him, I was like, this is where, this is where I need to be. This is where I need to be. So from that point on, I think I worked for one more full year and then um, moved up, didn't know anyone, found an apartment with three other girls, um, 
and found a job almost right away. And after a few months of living and working, I was able to sign up for community college. And that was really kind of the beginning of the better part of my life. Yeah. It was almost like you knew that's where you had to go by the sound of it. You know, like as soon as you went to Vermont, it was, I have to be here. This is, and it's interesting when you move there and you get a job straight away, it's almost like, yeah, this is all blowing. It's all meant to be. And the way that it all came together was so natural feeling and which was also so foreign feeling to me because everything was so chaotic before that, that I just didn't know any stability. And the fact that it was all happening I was like almost like a divine you know intervention of just like we're just gonna and I met my husband two weeks later two oh, weeks wow. after I moved wow. yeah 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 That's amazing. Uh, so it was it was amazing definitely the 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 brand new chapter that I needed hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, so what... What did you do for yourself? Because I guess you would have been, it would have been such a relief to get away from all of that chaos and drama and and were you sort of then starting to think about how do I get my life back? How do I heal? Were you aware that there, that you needed to make some changes at that point? Yeah, I started to become aware that possibly I came from a background that was not like others when my roommate started asking me questions about like, oh, like, what was this like for you? Or what was that like for you? And my experiences were not aligning with everyone else's. <laughs> and everyone had daily chats with their parents on the phone. And, you know, their parents were paying their rent, groceries and all this. And I was like, I'm, you know, paying my own rent. And yeah, just kind of on my own and no, I don't really want to talk to my mom because she's, you know, whatever. Um, and so then that was like 2021, but lucky for me, I entered right into that 21. It's like legal to drink in the United States. And I just started kind of partying. I partied a lot. Um, before I was like, I need to work on this. Yeah. I got a lot of that out of my system. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty much like I lived in a college town with roommates and ended up knowing all the neighbors cause they all went to college. And so it was just like one big party for a few years. We got that out of my system. And then my husband and I at 23, we decided, cause we everyone graduated and we all dispersed. It's kind of a sad thing. There's a few little windows of time, like little slices of life that I would go back to in, in a second. And like those early 20 years with the, with those roommates, like that was, that was fun. That was a fun time. Um, but we all graduated, we all dispersed and my husband and I, we were just dating at the time. We went to Europe for six months, um, to travel together to see like, let's, let's have fun and let's see if this relationship can, can last a backpacking trip. And if it can, let's get married. (laughs) (laughs) So it was traveling Europe that I started to really start to cry a lot about my childhood and my experiences and my relationship with my family, because I was having these profound moments or whole days even of just different countries and, and amazing connections with um, people from different cultures, 
like learning new languages and all of these things that would require a nice long train ride or bus ride in between. And I'd have my headphones in and I would just, you know, hear that right song that just got me crying my eyes out. And so I started to really release. I think I don't even really know if I knew what was happening. I do now. <laughs> but I was just releasing all of this stuff that was just so pent up and confusing and and just stored away because I didn't have time for it yet. And yeah. then it was like all bubbling up. Oh, wow. That's interesting, isn't it? And you don't even really realize what's happening. You just, it's almost like you said before, I was, I was like this. And then over time, as you just allow yourself to let it all go, which is so beautiful that you had that opportunity. And so you went back to Vermont and married your boyfriend. Yeah. So we ended up coming back to Vermont and worked for the summer and we were trying to figure out what what was next because we ended up living with his parents when we immediately got back from Europe you know because there was no we didn't have like an apartment lined up or anything so we lived with his parents who are wonderful people thank goodness <laughs> um and we were like we're not done yet we're not done traveling yet so then we drove across the country okay. for three months. We drove across the United States and we visited some friends and we thought, let's check out potential places to then live. And we ended up moving to Boulder, Colorado, and we lived there for three years. And it was there that I ended up going to massage therapy school. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Boulder, Colorado at all. So I'll paint a picture for you. It's like a mountain town, very crunchy. And we say crunchy to refer to like hippie type people, like very new agey, wellness oriented type people. So going to massage school there was like really amazing because they take their healing arts very, very seriously. And I didn't just learn massage. I learned breathing exercises and how to meditate and like all of this wonderful stuff. And at the same time, my school had a sister program with a Buddhist academy that offered therapy sessions. And so I linked up with a therapist, my first therapist ever. And totally free because of massage school. Wow. Now this was where the healing began. Wow. And it's almost like it came to you. You didn't even, you weren't even seeking a therapist, right? So it's like, it was like yeah, I was gift. not seeking a therapist. I was like, huh, um, I should probably, yeah, take, take them up on that offer. <laughs> and it was great for my therapist too, because she was also a student. So it was like, she got to practice on me. And then I got to like, actually get some amazing, she was, I mean, she might've been a student, but she was one of the best therapists that I have ever worked with. I mean, she was, yeah. she, I had profound sessions with her. Um, and who that's where the healing began because if you can imagine going to massage school you're being touched a lot um because that's how you learn it's like you buddy up with someone and then you learn the technique for that day on that person and then you switch so there's a lot of you know muscle and massage therapy happening and with all of that and sort of that so like somatic healing a lot of stuff was coming up and then to be able to have this therapy um, or this therapist to work through that, like at the same time was really amazing. It was just exactly what I needed at that time. It, it was also the start to like a depressive time for me because I was like, let the shadow work begin. <laughs> but that was the start of like the work. Like I really, I really went inside and, and I really dove deep from that point on. That sounds amazing. So how long did that last for? Funny enough, it was nine months. <laughs> it was a nine month program. It was very much like a, like a pregnancy or a rebirth. Um, so that was a, an intense nine months of full-time student while being, you know, counseled at the same time while at the peak of the awfulness of my relationship with both my parents and my grandparent as well. Um, my grandmother, so it was all kind of, you know, I got to, I got to put it aside for my early twenties 
And then like mid to late twenties, it was like, all right, time to, time to bring this back and open it up and, and start to do some of that work. So yeah, massage school itself was nine months, but I'd say it was probably at 32 that a lot of that sort of, I don't want to call it completed because you're never done, but um, where I finally turned that corner, I should say, and of like, of all that forgiveness, like able to forgive and able to just move on from it. So that was like, I don't know, six years, I guess, or something. Yeah. Like six years of shadow work. Wow. That's amazing. But you did get to a place where you felt forgiveness for everything that had happened. You could had the awareness of, I guess, what everybody else is going through. What were the main sort of things that allowed you to forgive? Well, it was incredibly uh, challenging and hard because I didn't, I wasn't even open to the idea of forgiveness until this particular therapist suggested that forgiveness isn't what I think it means. And forgiveness is actually, it doesn't excuse the person and it's not actually for them. Cause I always thought, oh, forgiveness is okay. I forgive you. Let's just continue on and, and do as we always do. And learning that kind of taught me the boundary as well of like where I'm allowed to say, no, you can't come here anymore, but also I'm not holding on to that weight of everything from the past anymore. So it was literally learning to forgive. That was like one of the, the biggest aha moments was, oh, forgiveness is literally to let it go, forgive them. It's not for them. It's for me entirely and for my inner peace. So I've been working on that and that in the aha moment, it didn't happen. You know, it was like the aha moment was the realization. And then I was like, okay, let me get to work on that now. (laughs) So I would say things that helped journaling was a huge, huge, huge help or is a huge help. And then even going back and reading some of the entries, I don't know, like journaling is for the writing and for the reading for me. It's like I don't know, certain times of year, I seem to be going through the same things. So that's been nice to see how kind of cyclical I can be and uh, not predictable, but you know, like I can, I can kind of see why or see where I'm going. So journaling, therapy, 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 and cutting people out. (laughs) I hate to say it, but um, I haven't spoken to my grandmother in five or six years. Same with my uncle. I haven't really talked about him yet, but my uncle, um, who is the son of my grandmother. So my mom's brother was just a huge bully. He was just like a huge bully. And I think the final straw for me was when I became a mother and my two births were traumatic. The second one was, was more so. Um, but the first one was, was enough of like, a didn't go according to plan. And those, those two in particular, they made it entirely about them. So my uncle, for example, wrote me this whole email about how he was super disappointed in me that he found out about the birth through Facebook and that how dare I not send him the announcement or something like that. And I, we were in the NICU, we were in the hospital for a week. I had a C-section. I mean, he had the same reaction to my second birth. And so for me, that was like, okay, if this is how you're going to respond to me becoming a mother and the way I became a mother, this is true color stuff for me. And this is where I have to draw the line because now it was a huge mental health setback to go through those birth traumas. So to have this mental health setback And then all the family guilt and judgment and criticism and the, how dare you, like on top of that, I was like, I'm done. Not anymore. So I stopped talking to him. My grandmother is, I don't know. I still don't know if she's like a narcissist or what her deal is, but I mean, I would get probably a hundred texts a day from her. And if I didn't answer right away, she'd call, 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 call. And I have like a newborn, I'm either nursing or like whatever. I don't have time for that. And, 
you know, if I didn't answer, then it was like a betrayal on her from me, you know? And so I was like, I'm done with this too. So I cut people out of my life. That was hard to do, but that honestly has been one of the biggest relievers of my constant anxiety is knowing that I don't have to talk to those two people anymore. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I can feel the weight of that. And just, it's just crazy what people expect from other people, isn't it? Especially when they're supposed to be loving you and you're a treasured grandchild or niece and all they're doing is just throwing a barrage of toxicity and that they can't see that because it's still so much about them. I just think it's amazing that you have the strength to just say, and and I think we all probably need to do that more. We all put up with stuff from people for way too long and it does take strength to say enough's enough. But if people can't change or they can't see that what they're doing is, is wrong, then... I I just think it's awesome that you did that. And I understand that, you know, it's almost like stepping forth with, (laughs) without all that baggage. It's just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Breathe out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like wings finally like burst out of their shell and I can like fly. Yeah, absolutely. So you have two beautiful little kids now. So what, are you wanting to give to your kids from the lessons that you've learned so far? Yes, this has been a very exciting part of my life and uh, parenting for me right now because my kids are five and three. So we are past them being babies, past that like pure need for just survival, right? So now we're getting into like a lot of the good stuff. They're having conversations with me or have, they're asking me tons of questions. So it's like, okay, we're in it now. So a few things that I'm doing very consciously that's different from, from my childhood is, and I think that I know it's really, I think that I, I know for sure, because it's the things that I want to say and like the things that I do say. So if let's say my, doesn't even matter. Any kid can throw a temper tantrum. So let's say uh, someone's throwing a fit over something completely irrational because it's never rational. (laughs) You cut my sandwich into a circle instead of a heart, right? That kind of stuff would not fly in my family. Um, So the the kind of stuff, the the kind of phrases that would have been tossed at me are like, you want to cry? I'll give you something to cry about you're lucky. My mother's not your mother. Oh, just stop. Oh, shut up. Oh, nothing's the matter. Or, you know, just, just straight up dismissal and just a zero honoring of any feelings, any emotions other than what is acceptable to the person, you know, and I'm, I'm realizing now there's, there was a lot of damage in my family, right? So my grandmother, had some stuff happen in her childhood. My mother had stuff happen in her childhood. So I'm realizing like, this is just pain that's been passed down. You know, like I know that a lot of the things that my grandmother said to me and that my mother said to me, they weren't even thinking because of how naturally it wants to come out of my mouth. And so I have to stop and, you know, really work with my anxiety because that's, The first thing that happens is is if a kid, one of my kids triggers me, my heart starts to pound. I can feel like my head getting all like hot and tingly. And I very much want to just put an end to it. Um, And I think that must be what my family also dealt with, but they put an end to it. For me, it's like, I get down to their level. I ask them whatever and however I can guide them. So please, like, I can't understand this. Can you use your words? Or, um, you know, do you need to go cry this out for a little while and then come back to me and talk to me? My approach is all feelings are okay. All feelings are valid. You're allowed to express anything even if it hurts my ears or hurts my feelings, or I think it doesn't make any sense, doesn't matter. Totally valid. So that's step one is like all feelings are valid and all ways to express are allowed as long as they stay within, you know, respectable and safe and all of those things. If something like hitting ends up happening, um, 
you know, like, I hate to say it, but I'm not going to hit my kid back. I am going to redirect their own behavior. If you need, like, I, I see that you really need to hit something right now. Let's go hit this tree with a baseball bat, something like that. Because while I understand what it's like to want to just stop it, I know the harm caused and the damage done by uh, certain approaches. <laughs> you know, this is one of those things that survivors say like, oh, it wasn't that bad. But um, I was slapped across the face. I was spanked on the tush. I was um, pinched. I was, you know, um, whatever, just handled physically. I wasn't beat up, but I was handled physically. Now I have to be careful, right? Because that's when you, when I get triggered, it's, so I will go for walks. I'll tell my husband, you know, I need you to take over. And we live on seven acres here. Um, well, we own seven acres. We're surrounded by hundreds of acres. So I'm, I'm incredibly lucky to be able to access nature. So accessing nature has been huge. And I've sort of been working with some inner child healing and ancestor work while I'm out in nature. So there's sort of like this conversation I have with myself, but it's in a, this mirrored way where it's like inner child and ancestor communication. So yeah, some examples, I guess, <laughs> one's pretty out there, the ancestor and inner child healing. Um, but that's basically it. It's just the awareness stopping it in its tracks and knowing the healthier ways. And we live in an amazing time. There's a lot of information for us as parents of, you know, if you grew up with this phrase, try this instead, because we're not saying that the child meltdowns won't happen. It's just when they do happen, how do you cope with it and how do you handle it? So just trying to learn as much as I can and knowing exactly where I need to stop the, the old narratives and have the wherewithal to do it, which I'm really grateful to have that wherewithal to, to stop myself in the tracks. Yeah. And breaking the cycles, that's what you're doing right there. And that's so powerful, isn't it? And like you say, there is so much information. I know my parents probably had no information. I think there was one parenting book. So nowadays we can find out anything if we if we want to. So I just think it's a great time to be able to be a parent right now. I love all of what you said there. Tell me about your mum these days. Do you have a good relationship with your mum? We actually have a, an amazing relationship. I I wanted to at least mention that once in this podcast because that's one thing that's been really amazing in becoming a mother myself is the healing that has been able to occur between myself and my mother. I think that my, my mother needed to become a grandmother. She's a wonderful grandmother, right? She's way better as a grandmother than a mother or when she mothered way back when. But my heart sometimes bursts in excitement to know that her and I are in a really good place. We have healed together. She, and the big thing with her is that she has owned up. She has taken accountability, full responsibility. We have had the uncomfortable conversations. We have had the hashing out. And I sometimes think that we are, we are healing the mother wound together because like I said, I haven't talked to my grandmother in a few years. She hasn't talked to her also in a few years and coming back full circle now, while I had a hard time being a daughter to my mother, you know, for a good chunk of my life, I like to think of us now as like, maybe we're kind of sisters navigating these waters together. Not that that's fair for me as the child, right? Um, but I think in my healing and in my saying, like, you know what, it ends with me that she was like, yeah, you know what? I don't like living like this either. And I'm going to step up too. And she has like completely stepped up and she, you know, like her texts don't give me anxiety at all anymore. Like I would hear from her and I would just be like, oh God, what is it now? Because, you know, 
what guy is she dating now or what trouble did she get into now or you know there was even one time um it wasn't drinking related but she ended up in the hospital she had like a, a heart condition flare-up so you know it's like oh my gosh is she in the hospital you know like all of these anxieties because i just didn't trust i didn't trust my mom to like trust herself i guess like i just those anxieties like don't arise anymore and we've sort of like, yeah, done this healing together. I'm proud of her. I know she says a lot, she's proud of me. And I think the kids, like they, they kind of brought us together. She, she sort of needed to become a grandma. And then I needed, I needed her to become a grandma too, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's, that's amazing that she's taken responsibility and all of those things it's just we couldn't ask for anything more because nothing is perfect but if somebody can see what's happened and and they want to turn it around I'm just so happy for all of that's happened for you in your life so Victoria you're the owner of Stragaluna Farm in Vermont and you're a perinatal and pediatric massage therapist herbalist and farmer you make beautiful products for mothers and children from herbs grown on your farm and you're also sharing some amazing information on instagram tell us all about what you're offering yes thank you so much so i am indeed um a farmer slash herbalist i own stregaluna farm uh, and I chose Strega because uh, of the Italian heritage that I'm trying to reconnect with. And it's honestly a dream come true. I've, I've been a massage therapist for, for about um, 10 years, but only recently have started my farm. When COVID happened last year, it kind of forced me um, into this opportunity because I did have to close my office where I had a private practice. I worked on prenatal and postpartum women and their children. So whether it was prenatal massage or a postpartum massage, sometimes, you know, um, the, the babies, the newborn babies would be in session with us and I'd be giving the mom massage while she's nursing her baby. It's just like these really beautiful services. So I moved everything online now. So I have a membership on my website where I show baby and toddler massage videos and demonstrations. I also am working on a few self-massage demonstrations for us. You know, I just posted a headache routine and I've also um, written a few children's stories and animated them. So they're not actual books, but they're just like some animated stories that I've written and created myself. So all of these loves that I've sort of put to the side and really focused on massage for a while are starting to trickle back in for me with this membership and this farm and this new opportunity for me. So I'm loving it so much. So that's my membership. And then I've got products, you know, that I make from ingredients grown here on the farm. I've got roses and lavender, rosemary and lemon balm, and just a, a bunch of aromatic herbs. And uh, I make topical products safe enough for, you know, the, the fourth trimester as well as babies, because right now my membership is mostly focused on the, the baby massage part of things. And yeah, that is a little bit about my farm and my membership. I am just, I'm eternally grateful for what, what I'm doing currently. Um, it's the best. Yeah, absolutely. So where can we find you? Is there a website address? Yes. Yeah, so I'm at stregalunafarm.com. Fill it out. S-T-R-E-G-A-L-U-N-A-F-A-R-M.com. Yeah. Stregalunafarm.com. I was trying to think, is there an S at the end? But there's not. <laughs> and then a few of my Instagram handles are the victorious trauma mama, which you and I have connected on. And then I have a Stregaluna Farm Instagram as well. So sort of the more plant side of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll put all of that information in the show notes so that people can access that really quickly. It all just sounds so amazing. I think I'd quite like to come and live in your life for a while. <laughs> it sounds so beautiful. But thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. It's 
it's been a journey, but I love that it's come on this beautiful full circle and everything that you've learned and that you're now in this great relationship with your mom and you've got two beautiful kids. It's also wonderful. So thank you so much for chatting to me today. Thank you for this opportunity to share my story and for everything that you're doing, because what is a story without a platform? So thank you for everything that you're doing for us survivors. Thank you so much. Check the show notes for a direct link to all books recommended in this episode. Come and follow me on Instagram at mybigloveproject. Drop a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique. And you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thank you for joining me. I'll catch you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.